7, 8, 9 says this. It says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of God. You see, church, um, we can have all the right thing, all the right words to say. We can, a lot, we can have a lot of what we think are good deeds. We can seem to honor God with our words and deeds, but it says in, in verse 8 here, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And because their hearts were far from God, their worship was in vain. Church, I hope and pray that that's not us today. Oh, that our hearts would be completely surrendered to the Lord. So in the words of this next song say, in my heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Now this next song, let's, let's not just sing those with our mouth, but from our hearts. Should I stumble again? Still I'm caught. 
try our hearts this morning. Speak to us. As we come to your word, mold us and change us into the image of Jesus, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you take your seat? As we begin this morning, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we are in awe of who you are, Father. We are so thankful to be able to come together as a body and praise you and worship you and glorify you. As Luke mentioned, help us to truly live that way in our lives. Not just sing songs to you, but truly be disciples of Christ. Truly be transformed by your spirit. Help us to be those type of people. Help us to continue to seek after you fervently. Recognizing that we are in a generation, we're in a country that is in a decline running away from Christianity. Help us to truly be a people who glorify you and magnify you regardless of what everyone else is doing in this culture and in this country. Help us to be faithful to you. Father, we praise you. We thank you for this time. We ask that your Holy Spirit work mightily in all of us as your word is preached. It's through Christ's name we pray. Amen. John MacArthur poses a good question about the Beatitudes by asking, are the truths in the Beatitudes rules on how you get into the kingdom, or are they rules on how you live once you are in the kingdom? And the answer is yes, both are correct. John MacArthur goes on to say, to enter the kingdom, you must be poor in spirit. And as you live in the kingdom, you continue to recognize your spiritual poverty. To enter the kingdom, you must mourn over sin. And to continue in the kingdom, you continue to mourn over sin. To enter the kingdom, you must come in with meekness. A proud man cannot enter the kingdom. But once you're in the kingdom, meekness continues to be your attitude as God becomes more wonderful to you. The Beatitudes show us a progression, a building on one another, a continued maturing of one in faith. The Beatitudes show us what a true Christian looks like. And it starts with one being poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? I know we've discussed it many times but the first thing that pops in my head is spiritual helplessness. Someone who recognizes their need for Christ. Someone who is desperate. They're at the end of themselves. They know they need Christ. And this leads them to the second beatitude, which says, Blessed are those who mourn. Well, what are they mourning over? The answer is we're mourning over Self, because we see ourselves accurately for the first time, we mourn 
we weep. We wail over the sinful state we are in at the present. So the question you may have is, why all of a sudden is sin so appalling to us at this point? Well, the answer is, we recognize that our sin is utter rebellion against a holy, loving God. And we have lived as if we have been our own God, the Bible says. We are broken. We are devastated over this. And what do we do? We turn from self and turn to Christ. We repent, the Bible says. And Christ becomes our Lord and Savior. God's grace begins to flow over us. We are indebted, amazed, so thankful for God's undeserved Favor his grace. How well do we see our sin this morning? How well do we see the sins that we struggle with this morning? Because the reality of it is, church, if we don't see the gravity of our sin, we will never grasp the depth of God's grace. That means we take God's grace for granted. And if we take God's grace for granted, guess who we're actually taking for granted? Christ. We're taking Christ for granted then. And two weeks ago, we discussed meekness. Christ said, blessed are the meek. Meekness is one who is spiritually humble, self-controlled, zealous for Christ, and done with themselves altogether. They're emptied of self. They have turned to Christ in faith, and now they're empty vessels ready to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to unleash the fourth beatitude as we climb up this ladder. We are now on the fourth level here of the beatitudes. So turn with me to Matthew 5, 6, where we will begin this morning. Matthew 5, 6. And this is Jesus preaching, as we've discussed, we're in the series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we have entitled it the Upside Down Kingdom. And we're on the fourth beatitude this morning, and it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And we can all understand or relate to what Christ is talking about as he speaks of being hungry and thirsty from a physical standpoint. A good example of hunger can be seen in our new little one, Job Thomas, who is now, I think, about a month and a half old. And he feeds on average every two hours. Yes, my wife is very tough. Um... He will be signed to sound asleep and instantly like clockwork, he will start whimpering. His bottom lip will stick out, still half asleep, mind you. And then he will bellow and shrill and lets us know that he is hungry. He is ready to eat. Let me ask you, have you ever been famished before or have you ever been dying of thirst Have you ever been grocery shopping when you were starving or had an empty stomach? 
when you're about ready to eat the groceries right off the shelf? Not a good idea. I don't suggest you do that, by the way. But I'll tell you, I get in trouble when I go grocery shopping on an empty stomach. Often, I come home with a few extra items or a few extra goodies that I hope no one recognizes. But my wife usually starts taking the groceries out of the bag. And she asks, well, hun, when you went grocery shopping, why did you buy two pounds of cheese sticks? Or, hun, why did you buy three cartons of ice cream? Or, hun, why did you buy four jars of salsa? And I sort of have two basic responses that I go to on this. The first is the responsible response, which just says, I say this, I just wanted to make sure we had enough food, hun. Or, the second is the surprised response. Did I buy that? Or how did that get into my grocery bag? Okay, that's really a joke. I really don't do that. But my point is we all have been hungry and thirsty. Some of you may be hungry now. But hopefully not after we made the time change so we're an hour earlier. But this leads me to my first point. Point number one. Everyone is searching for fulfillment. Point number one says, everyone is searching for fulfillment. And I want to give you four ways people chase after worldly self-fulfillment when they try to find fulfillment their own way. And the first way people chase self-fulfillment is through addictions. Through addictions. An addict seeks moments of pleasure or euphoria to satisfy self. They are willing to sacrifice all For seconds of momentary pleasure. The second way people chase self-fulfillment is through human worship. The second way is through human worship. And what I mean is that they place others as idols in their life. They try to find their fulfillment in a person, like a spouse, a child, or even a friend. They look to this individual for security and happiness. They are happy or depressed depending on how that relationship is going. The third way people chase after self-fulfillment is through finances and materialism. They think riches or possessions are going to give them true satisfaction. What is the saying about men? Happy are those who have the most toys, right? And what is the saying about women? Happy are those who have the most shoes. That's what I was going to say. That's, some people actually said that. Great, yeah, shoes. I didn't know, but anyway... Um, But the fourth way people chase self-fulfillment is through work. Many wrap themselves up in their job. They make what they do their identity. They think power, fame, prestige, or challenge is going to give them real self-fulfillment. An example of this would be Michael Jordan, the famous Hall of Famer, retired basketball player. I would even add, I think he was probably the best basketball player. But... 
He said this, I would give up everything now to go back and play the game of basketball. When asked how he replaces playing basketball, Jordan simply states you don't. You learn to live with it. Jordan lived for the next challenge or the next challenger. His identity, his fulfillment, his life still lives in the past when he shot a ball in a basket. Are we looking for fulfillment in addictions? Are we looking to others to find fulfillment? What about fulfillment in the things we have or in our finances? What about our job? Do we look to our work for fulfillment? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness so what if someone thought this way you know what i want to figure out this righteousness thing because i want to be happy i am tired of being depressed i am tired of being sad i want real fulfillment out of life i want to find real purpose i want to find and have real and lasting joy i really would like to figure out how to be righteous so i can be happy church why does this person want to be righteous why do they want to be righteous for their own happiness for their own benefit Self is at the center of their motivations for wanting to be happy. And this leads to point number two. Point number two says we don't find fulfillment by looking for it. Point number two says we don't find fulfillment by looking for it. Trying to find fulfillment for fulfillment's sake does not work. It does not work. It eludes us because it is self-motivated. It is to please ourselves. When the focus, the aim, the goal, the desire is centered around self-fulfillment, we will never find true contentment or lasting satisfaction. Turn with me to 1 John 2, 15 and 16. That's 1 John 2, 15 and 16. And we're going to read it first in the ESV, and then we're going to also read it in the NLT. God's holy, infallible word says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all this is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is in the world. And I'm going to read this also in the NLT version, as I think it gives a little more clarity. And it says this, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not 
have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. We turn, when we turn to the world, we become full of ourselves. First John tells us we crave pleasure. We seek self-fulfillment however we can find it. This is found in the things that we desire like in our eyes, as First John says. And it can be a man who lusts after a woman or it can be a woman who lusts after the next thing she's going to buy. When we live this way, there is no room to love God, 1 John tells us, we can only try to please ourselves with a continual craving for more. We can't get enough. We are never satisfied. We ache for one more moment of pleasure. We ache for one more dollar earned. We ache for one more night of entertainment. But it gets worse. Turn with me to Romans 5 verse 8. That's Romans 5, verse 8. And this is Paul talking to the church at Rome. Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. And Paul says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul says here, either you are focused on yourself or you're focused on God. Either you're focused on your flesh, the sinful nature, or you're focused on living by the Spirit, glorifying God. God. You can't do both, Paul says. Living for the flesh of the sinful nature not only causes one to seek after empty, momentary self-fulfillment, but it says more so you cannot please God. You're actually God's enemy. They are enslaved to feeding themselves instead of following God. Living for self leads to discontentment in this life, and the next. Let me say that again. Living for self leads to discontentment in this life and the next because most people who live this way today will be in hell tomorrow. Where do you find your fulfillment? Are we walking by the Spirit or are we walking by the flesh this morning? Who is our God? Who is my God? Is it self or is it the real true God? Most of the time, those who look and act 
like the world, who desire everything the world has to offer, guess what, are from the world, not from God. It's that simple. It's that simple. Do we desire the things of God or do we desire the things of this world? Because Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Point number three. Point number three, true fulfillment is a byproduct of seeking after righteousness. Point number three says, true fulfillment is a byproduct of seeking after righteousness. Just the same as working out gets us in shape, Christ is saying that seeking, chasing, living for, hungering and thirsting for righteousness leads to real and lasting fulfillment. True fulfillment follows those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The question that you may be wondering at this point, what is the righteousness Christ is speaking of? What is the righteousness Christ is talking about? Well, the Greek word for righteousness in Matthew 5, 6, here can also be translated as justice or rightness. So happy are those who hunger and thirst for rightness, or happy are those who hunger and thirst for justice. The question is, how do we know what is right? How do we know what is just? How do we know what is righteous? Well, turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And this is Paul talking to young Timothy. And he says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Paul tells Timothy that God's word is truth. We filter our world through the lens of scripture. God's word is where we can measure what is right and what is wrong. It is the gauge for our lives. But, but, for the word of God to transform us, to change us, to make us new, we must be empty of ourselves. We must be empty of ourselves. And the last beatitude that we discussed was meekness. A person who is meek is an empty vessel ready to be filled by God. They crave and desire righteousness. They are empty of themselves. That is why they crave righteousness. They are ready to be filled by whatever the Holy Spirit deems necessary to fill them at that time. Empty ones, meek ones, want to become holy. Empty ones want to become self-controlled. Empty ones want to become more disciplined in their life. Empty ones want to be matured in God's love. Empty ones want to become selfless like Christ. Empty ones want to desire to speak the truth to others. And the list goes on to how in Christ we seek after righteousness. How often are we seeking to be holy? 
How often are we seeking to be holy? How often am I seeking to be holy? How much energy do we spend working on being more self-controlled? Are we disciplined with our time? When is the last time we placed others above ourselves? Are you, am I, hungering and thirsting for righteousness this morning? Are we seeking after what is right, what is just, what is righteous? God says that those that are hungry will be filled, or those that are hungry will be satisfied. How filled are you this morning? Being filled means we are growing in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We are growing in righteousness. We are growing in love towards others. We are growing in peace. We are growing in patience with our spouse. We are growing in self-control in our time with the Lord. We are growing in contentment, recognizing God has us right where he wants us. We're growing in joy as we're the most joyful people to walk the earth. Point number four, true fulfillment comes to those who desire God. Point number four says true fulfillment comes to those who desire God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism starts by asking a wonderful question. And they ask this, what is the chief end of man? Or what is the main purpose of man? Or what is the goal of man? And the answer they give is phenomenal. Man's chief end or man's main purpose or man's goal is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let me say that again. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. True fulfillment comes to those who are passionate about Christ. Christ is our life. Christ should be our life. Christ is why we want to be holy. Christ is why we put others above ourselves. Christ is the reason why we spend time in word and prayer. Christ is the reason why we are truly committed to one another. Christ is the reason why we give to those who are in need. Christ is the reason why we honor our spouse. Christ is the reason why we discipline our children with consistency. Christ is the reason why we live with passion and zeal for God's truths. Christ is the reason why we stand up against false doctrines. Doctrines. Christ is the reason. We aren't hungering and thirsting because we just want to be better, nicer, Marco Island citizens. That's not the reason. No, we are lit on fire, aflamed, passionately seeking God because our zeal and love is for Christ. That's what motivates those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are we hungering and thirsting for righteousness? I'll try to relax here. Okay. Turn with me to Psalm 42, 1 and 2. David will call me down here. Let's turn to Psalm 42, 1 and 2.
David expressing his love for God, his relationship with God, says this, As the deer pants for the waters of the brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Does that resonate with you? Or is that sort of like, man, I don't know what David's talking about. Turn with me to Psalm 63, 1. Psalm 63, 1. This is David again. And he says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David was in right relationship, right fellowship with God. He loved God. He wanted to spend every waking moment with God. David desired to glorify and please God. Are we seeking that type of relationship with Christ? If we're not, we're wasting our time. If we're just coming into church and we don't have a real relationship with Christ, we might as well give up now. It's about relationship with God. Like Paul who said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Paul desired to live his life not for his own purpose or fulfillment, but for God's glory. And in return, because God is so gracious and loving, Paul found true purpose. Paul found real fulfillment. Do we enjoy God? Do we actually desire God? Do I actually desire God? Are we spending time with God like David? Do we thirst for deeper and more intimate relationship with Christ? In conclusion, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We are called to seek his kingdom, which means we're called to seek Christ. Are we a church who seeks after righteousness? Do we truly live For God's glory. Again, if we're not doing that as a church, and we're just here to sort of be a team and hang out, but we're not doing it for God's glory, might as well shut the doors and lock up. Because we are supposed to be doing this for God's glory and God's glory alone. We all want to find fulfillment. We all want to find fulfillment. Christ says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or they will be satisfied. We don't find fulfillment by looking for it. We have, we find real life in Christ, true fulfillment in God. Christ is our fulfillment. Christ is our hope. Christ is our joy. Christ is our peace. Christ is supposed to be our life.
Are you full of Christ this morning? Are you full of Christ this morning? Are you overflowing with joy and peace in the Holy Spirit because you are so in love with Christ? How would you describe yourself as fulfilled and thankful or as empty and disappointed? How would you describe yourself as fulfilled and thankful or as empty and disappointed? Christ says that those that seek him will be satisfied. As we close, everyone please stand. I will pray and then we will head out and celebrate our baptism as we continue to see people be faithful to God and be obedient and give their lives and then they get baptized to show their faith. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we are so thankful for who you are, Father. We recognize life is about you. It's not about us. We often so much, often even cater to each other way too much when we're supposed to be about your glory. Help us to be a church who truly is centered on you, loving you, glorifying you. And in return, we know we will selflessly love one another so much better anyway. Father, we thank you for the baptisms that you continue, we continue to have as people continue to mature and go forward in their faith. We thank you for that. We praise you and honor you. We ask now, Father, that we just go out and celebrate with each other as we see the baptism. It's through Christ's name. Amen.